Thank you, Tim. Thank you, praise team. Amen. Right? That's exciting, isn't it? Yes! So we should be excited, and as we have opportunity to, to study God's Word together, that excitement, may the Lord stir it to continue. So if you would, grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of 1 John. And uh, we are st- still going on with our study of 1 John here. In 1 John chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 1 through 5, and as you're turning there, and you know what? It's great to love to be alive, right? And I know some of y'all, after that song that we just sang a moment ago, y'all were feeling more alive than you have maybe in a little while, right? So that's good, right? Maybe a little more foot tapping, maybe a little more clapping, maybe you drifted out into the aisles a little bit, so there's nothing wrong with that, and we are certainly excited that that is the case, because that's how it should be when we talk about the victory that we have in Jesus, when we think of what it means to be alive in Christ, that we can even look at our lives, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, no matter what else is going on, you can say, now this is living, right? We have made it into the summer season, and as we think of the summer season, there's few more summery things than Vacation Bible School itself. And of course, you may be looking around and being like, well, this is living, right? I know some of you are already thinking that you really want to roll the dice, right? And thinking that as... You're not alone, because I do too. Every time I look over there, I think about it, right? We, want, we are all kind of geared up about living and what that means. But as we come into God's Word and as we come into this wonderful passage in 1 John and think about what it means to know Christ, how helpful it is to be reminded to know that you are born again and to live victorious in that. Grab your copy of God's Word with me, if you will, and read with me in 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and let's read down through verse 5 together. And here is what we read. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's pray together here today. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity to celebrate Jesus together. Father, in this moment now, Lord, may all of our attention, may all of our affection, may everything about us be fixed on Jesus here today. May we look deeply into your word and by your spirit and for your glory. Father, teach us, convict us, guide us, grow us, and lead us that we may come away rejoicing in victory in Jesus and knowing what it means to be alive in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be together in your word, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we come into this passage of Scripture here and we think of where we are and sort of the context of where we find ourselves in 1 John, you think about, you know, we've talked about testing the spirits and all of what that means and living in love and abiding in love and living in the full effects of God's love and even as we talked about last week, that we love because He first loved us. And so as He's unpacking all of this and we make this really final turn in this book of 1 John and knowing Jesus, what we see here is we, we are being laid out the the structure by which we may have confidence in Christ, and the reasons in which we should know 
and really that you should know that you are born again if you know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Or as he says it here, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, this is an invitation on the one hand for the unbeliever to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, but this is more than that, a reminder for the believer that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So whomever you are, whatever your BC before Christ days were like, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, as he says it here, been born of God. There's a distinction when you genuinely believe. There's evidence in the life of the believer. Now, we can't unpack everything about 1 John that we've said already, but we do know a great deal, don't we? That there's a genuine sense of repentance in the life of a genuine believer, that we know that we have a sin problem, both in sense of behavior, but also in sense of our sin nature, and that we need more than behavior modification. We need a new heart in Christ. We need to be transformed from the inside out and that the Spirit of God bears this out. And so along with repentance comes genuine faith, but it's not faith in whatever. It's not this sort of hodgepodge, sort of out of focus thing that that we can just sort of concoct along the way. No, we're given specific instruction here, aren't we? Because we know how dangerous it is for things to be out of focus. For some of you all, if you get behind the wheel and you take your glasses off, you realize right quickly how dangerous it is for things to be out of focus. For many of us in in various capacities, we know what it is to lose focus and to walk in the danger of that. How much more so with our faith? Our faith is very specific that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is our Savior, Jesus is our Lord, Jesus is the Son of God, and Jesus is the Christ, which is really just the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means he's an anointed one. He's the one who fulfills the three anointed offices of the Old Testament. He is the full and final revelation of the Father. He is the full and final prophet. We don't need anyone else. He is our great high priest, both in the sense that he laid down his own life as the sacrifice, but he presented himself as the sacrifice and is our high priest before the Father on an enduring basis. And so we know that the only access that we have to the Father is through faith in Jesus. He is our great high priest, but he's also our king. He rules and reigns on an eternal throne just as he has promised so that we look to Jesus and in confessing that he is the Christ, in believing that he is the Christ, we are saying all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus. He's the lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. He is the shepherd of God's sheep. He is the Passover lamb and the fulfillment of it. He is the suffering servant and the light to the nations. He's our redeemer and rescuer. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. To believe this is to say, I need no one else. I want no one else. All my hope, all my faith is in him. And that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Made alive in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so as we think broadly across the span of 1 John, you think there's a lot of things that, that connect here. Because there is a sense in which genuine repentance is born out in the life of a genuine believer. 
But that's not the only thing. There's love for brothers and sisters in Christ. There's love for others. There's love for the Lord. And so we are starting to realize here and starting to look for the vital signs of real living faith. Because it's pretty obvious whenever you see somebody, there are vital signs that you can figure out whether or not somebody is alive. Do they have a pulse? Are they breathing? Is their body, what is their body temperature? You can look at these things and figure that out. Spiritually, we are given the same sort of indicators here. And we are meant to know, to have assurance of being born again. But we have to be clear that this text is exceptionally specific. And that our focus is on Jesus Christ as he has revealed himself in his word. Because the reality is that for many people, the Jesus in whom they believe is actually a caricature of what the real Jesus is like. We're familiar with caricatures. Maybe it's a, a summary kind of thing, right? If you've ever been to one of those beachy towns and, you know, right next to the airbrush booth, that's a relic of a bygone era, right, right next to the airbrush, there's the guy that's dressed up like Jimmy Buffett sitting out in the courtyard with the little, you know, the, the little easel and the little board there, and you sit down in front of him, and he starts to draw, right? And you, maybe you paid him a few bucks for this, and you're looking at that, and what happens is some features of the caricature are, you know, more emphasized and maybe overly emphasized to the exclusion of others. So if I was to get my caricature done, right, it would basically just be a giant forehead with a couple of eyes and a, a mouth, right? It'd be about this big, and you know, the rest of the face is like that. So it's just overemphasize certain things to the exclusion of others. So there's some sense of connection, but it's not a real picture, is it? But see, that's how some people are in thinking of Jesus. You've sort of overemphasized certain aspects of who he is and how he has revealed himself to the exclusion of others, not realizing that you're trusting in a rendition that you made for yourself instead of the one true living Christ. Be careful here because the text is very specific. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So let's lean in. Let's look. Let's be sure that you may know that you are born again and that we may look and see that God in his grace and in his mercy has given us even more vital signs to check and see for sure. Because not only does he say everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, he goes on to say, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So as the love of Christ has been born into our hearts, that it pours out in the sense of it's more than just lip service. And then we're not just loving some sort of vague paternal deity. He's the heavenly father whom we know through the substitutionary atonement of Christ. And that the Holy Spirit is in our hearts crying out. You remember what he's crying out? Abba, Father. Amen. And that it, it, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your church family. Those who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Those who have turned away from their sin and trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord. They're your brothers and sisters. 
Now, you may have physical siblings, right? And you may have fought to the teeth growing up. I mean, that's how we had some doozies in our house, right? And you remember what it was like, and you're going toe-to-toe all the time. And, you know, when you're, a, you're 10 years old and you're sort of fighting your way through, you're like, I can't believe this is going on. You get a little older, and what happens? You may not agree on a whole lot, but you sure do love these people, don't you? You may have all sorts of, you know, conflict between all your quirks and personality things that you got going on and everything else. But at the end of the day, you love them because they're your brothers and your sisters. You'll even defend them against others. How much more so in the eternal family that we are adopted into through faith in Jesus Christ? Do you love the family of faith? Does your life display love in you and at work through you? When you think about this, I mean, did the love of God lead him to action? It did, right? Should we expect anything less for the love of God at work in our own hearts? To lead us to less than action? And as we think about this, and start to, we are reminded yet again as we are continuing to unpack the reality of what love looks like. We don't get to make this up as we go along. Love is not mere preference or taste. That we have to be careful about building meaning off of the litany of misunderstandings concerning love that's around us. We must hear and heed what God says. What does he say? Look at verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey His commandments. it's another vital sign there, isn't it? By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. So we need this kind of clarity for our own assurance. We can see how good and merciful and gracious God is to give us this kind of clarity. And understanding what it means to be born again, and even what that should look like. So if I'm going to say, okay, I love the Father, and so if I love the Father, then I'm going to love whoever's been born of Him. And how am I going to know that I love those who who have been born of Him when we love God and obey His commandments? And at first we read this, we're like, are we just working in a circle here? Because it seems like we just sort of say the same things, but there's a reason why He's working in this pattern. That we are truly only going to be, be able to love one another well and rightly when we love God first. You're only really going to be able to love your wife the way you ought to if you have the love of the Father in your heart and life through faith in Jesus Christ. You're really only going to be able to love your neighbor as yourself when the love of God is at work in you and you treasure God above all other things. If you care nothing for him, you're not going to care anything about his children. But if you love him, you're going to love his children too. And see, we've got to get this right. We've got to get the source right. And that the love of him is behind every action. So as we think about Vacation Bible School, and we have the opportunity to sow the seed of the gospel in the hearts and lives of, of children here, and as we have opportunity for all these conversations and everything else, are we doing this merely to be a noticed? So that somebody can say, hey, great job on that. Are we doing this because we love the Father? And out of an overflow of the love of Him, we say, I want you to know of the love of the Father. 
I want you to know the, the one whose love endures forever, whose, whose love transforms lives, whose love is steadfast. And you may have fleeting issues of love in your own life, but his love endures forever. Now, when we get the source right, then we start to see how this flows through life correctly. And when it's rightly rooted in him, then all of a sudden we realize we're not loving on, we're not just doing this on the basis of mere feeling. We'll love according to how God loves with righteousness and holiness. We'll love in a way that reconciles. It doesn't just sort of walk over sin or pretend like it's not an issue, but it actually deals with the problem. Because we've been given this ministry of reconciliation in Christ. Why do we love enduringly? Why do we keep caring? Well, because we love because he first loved us. And not only do we see here that it says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God, so we got to get that first. But then we also says, and obey his commandments. So that all of our action is rooted in our love for the Lord, our aim to see him glorified in all things, and the delight that's found in that. And maybe you're reading this and you're like, commandments like what? Commandments like the Ten Commandments? Well, sure, yeah. We can start there. Is that the only thing that he's referring to? No. What else could he be talking about? You think across even the span of the New Testament. Give thanks. That's a commandment, isn't it? We ought to give thanks to the Father. That we ought to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. That we're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That we're to take up our cross daily to bear one another's burdens, that whatever we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, we start to see that these obeying of his commandments are not these things that we just sort of pick up along the way and be like, oh, I got another thing to do. No, these are expressions of love. This is a way in which you are showing and displaying with your own life that you love the Father. Because if you love the Father, you're gonna love each other. If you don't love the Father, you won't love each other. Look at how good our God is. He goes on in further explaining this. Verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God. What does it look like in our own lives? Well, it's not our design, so it's not always going to look like what we want it to look like. It's not just a big heart picture that we tack on to the refrigerator. It's much deeper than that. It's much bigger than that. He says, and this, this is the love of God that we keep as commandments. But not only in the sense of keep as in obey, but keep as in an ongoing care for them. All that stuff that you've got in your house, whether you want to admit it or not, the reason you kept it is because it matters to you. Now, you may have a whole bunch of garbage that matters to you. I don't know. You might have a basement full of junk, but the reason it's still there is because it matters to you in some form or fashion. And maybe you're going to walk through the whole spring cleaning process and you're going to look at it and you're going to have to decide, how much does this really matter to me? But the things that we keep are the things that matter to us, aren't they? It's the same thing with the instruction that we received when we were kids. It's amazing. No matter how old you get, you still remember the instruction that you picked up along the way. Maybe what your grandfather told you when you were eight years old, out in a field somewhere. Like, I always remember what he told me. I always remember the instruction that he gave. Why do you keep that? 
because it matters to you. Because you're highlighting the significance of it in your own life. How much more so with the commandments that God has given us, not only that we would obey them, but that we would keep them with ongoing care as a display that we love him more than we love ourselves. And if we love him first, then we're going to love others through that lens. And these commandments are not burdensome. Then when we think about the commandments, you can even think of the New Testament commands, right? Of being thankful, of you know, praying always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, right? So that's a command too. And you, it's so easy to look at these things and just sort of to build this list in our own mind and be like, you know, we got all these boxes of things that we've got to tick off. And if we're not careful, we're just going to build the list and look at it as our next thing to do. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be like that honeydew list you have avoided for years and years and years. Like that chore list that's still hanging on the side of the refrigerator. Like that syllabus for your class that you never read. It just feels like something else we've got to do. No, the commandments. When the love of God is in our heart, the, command, the commandments are not burdensome. That a heart transformed by God responds with a delight to trust him in all things. And isn't it odd that we trust all these experts to know exactly what they're talking about and we will follow their instruction in all these other fields. You'll go to the gym and some fitness coach is going to look at you and be like, I want you to lean backwards and do 50 sit-ups. And you're like, I'll trust you, right? And you're going to go for it. We'll listen to all these experts on the radio about all this sort of financial advice and all these things and, and shape our lives around the advice that we're receiving. We'll listen to all these business consultants with all their ideas for our own you know, work and guides and everything else. We'll, we'll do all of this. We'll pull up YouTube videos in order to figure out how to fix our own cars, even though we have no idea who these people are. But hey, he knows better than me. Are we like this in obeying Christ? Where we delight to receive his instruction and trust him enough to, not, to just say with our lives, you know better than I do. This is not a burdensome thing at all, is it? It's not a heavy, grievous thing. And for some, it's like you're trying to do everything that you can to get it over at once. Because for some believers, the way in which you have, you have come to Christ and by, you've been saved by grace through faith, it's a free gift of God. You're not boasting about it. You've received Jesus as Savior and Lord. But your spiritual life has been such, a, such the case that you just want to sort of get it all over with so you can go back and do what you were doing before. That's not how this works. Like the household hero who when the groceries come back to the house, you go out there and you'll be like, I'm going to get it all at once. And so you're loaded up there and you've got, you know, the bags up on your shoulders and all over your arms. And you've got the red marks all over you because, you know, you're supposed to unpack the car gently and over time. But you've got 60 pounds on each arm and you're walking in the house and you're breaking everything along the way, aren't you? You look like a champ, but what you're really saying is I want to get this over with so I can go back to doing what I was doing before. That's how some of us are with obedience to Christ. 
We just want to load it on and do it all at once. Just give it to me now. I can handle it. Just give it to me now. I can handle it. You want to do it all at once. And what you're not, what you're not realizing is that you are wearing yourself out in a way that God did not design for you. His commandments are not burdensome. It's a joy and a delight to follow him, to trust him. And so if it's not a burden, we must acknowledge it is a joy. So we don't loathe repentance, we rejoice in it. We don't loathe loving our neighbors, we rejoice in it. We don't loathe reconciling with one another, we rejoice in it. And so we look at this in all the ways of assurance that you would know that you are born again. Check your vitals and make sure. Because when you know that you are alive, then you are ready to live. Look at what he says in verse 4. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. For the genuine believer who's been made alive in Christ Jesus, for the one who's a new creation, with a new heart, alive in him, and all the action associated with that. Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. That means you're victorious in Christ right now. The victory of Christ is not some far-flung thing in the future. It's right now. He lives right now. Remember the songs we sang today? He lives. We have victory in Jesus now. And the world around us, the unbelieving reality and all the system and all the talk of the world that's going on around us, and you can think of all the frustration that's often expressed even within the church about the world and the economic cloud of the world and the social pressure to conform to the patterns of this world and all the doubt and all the self-obsession and all that's loaded in there. Look, if you're born of God, you're already victorious. What are you fretting about? What are you worried about? Christ is already victorious. And even as we read this, maybe you're looking into your own life and you're thinking, well, it doesn't feel like that all the time. Because life often feels like a beat down, doesn't it? But feelings are not facts, are they? Just because it doesn't always feel like victory doesn't mean Christ is not victorious. Because when you trust God and you trust Jesus and you trust that he's with you always, even to the end of the age, and you're rejoicing in the midst of your trial and you're resting in him and you are even finding yourself saying, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And it's like you're just repeating that over and over again. Listen, that's a victory cry, isn't it? That's not just something to say, that's a victory cry. When you look at your, you're haunted by your past and you've come to Christ and you've turned away from your sin and you've laid it all before him and you know what it is to be a new creation and you hear the doubts and you hear the suspicions and you hear the, the fiery arrows of the evil one being fired toward you and you cry out, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a victory cry, isn't it? When you have peace amid all the storms of life, that's a victory cry. When you rejoice, even when you are mistreated, that's a victory cry, isn't it? Because in Jesus we have life that no one can take, hope that no one can steal, grace that is sufficient, love that endures. And so we are meant to linger long and enjoy it. That the cross of Christ is enough to overcome unbelief 
immorality, depravity, pride, arrogance, lies. It was in the Roman Empire. It is right now. And look around, brothers and sisters. We're all here as evidence to prove it. Victory in Jesus. Do we live like this is true? Do we say this is the victory that has overcome the world? Our faith. Because victory doesn't always look like what we think it will. In a lot of ways, victory is associated with a lot of loss. Isn't that what we thought about last week when we celebrated Memorial Day? We remembered the victories. But we remembered the victories came at great cost, did they not? There was a lot of loss that's associated with victory. In a lot of ways, our own lives feel similar to that, but they even still, even more, there's victory in Christ. A life renewed and restored. Because God finds us, and we're all fixer-uppers, whether we want to admit it at first or not. And the fact of the matter is, there's probably a lot more demolition that's necessary than we want to admit. We don't just paint over the things of the past. No, we pray that God would remove them. And He does. Because He is that victorious. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. As we are convicted and convinced and alive and believing. And that it's not just the sort of seasonal decor that we all live in. I mean, you could go to Walmart every other day and it's going to be a different look inside that store, isn't it? I mean, every time you walk in, you'd be like, is it already Christmas? Like, when did this happen? And maybe, you know, you've got it all littered out in your basement and all over your garage and everything else. We've got all the seasonal decor all over the place. And so we make our way through the calendar and like, okay, it's time for this. And you pull the little bin out and put all your stuff on your counter and then you put the other stuff away. Three weeks later, you do the same thing. It's how we live, isn't it? Our faith is not seasonal decor. It's up all the time, all year long, all eternity long. Our faith is alive. Our lives are permanently ornamented with the faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the all-sufficient Savior. We were dead, lost, helpless, and hopeless, and He called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. There are so many horrifying realities in our sin-sick world and the pervasive darkness that is all over the place. Yet, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Hope in the midst of darkness and hope walking out of the darkness that we can square our shoulders, lift our eyes, and know our redemption draws near because Jesus lives. So that when you know that you are born again, you can turn around and live victorious, whatever your circumstances may be. So who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who are we looking for here? What's the telltale sign of victory? The one who believes that Jesus is is the Son of God. 
Say what you will, you did not convince yourself. He did. He's the light in the midst of the darkness. He's the victory. Our faith looks to him. He who is the Son of God, unique in his glory, the eternally begotten Son of the Father, begotten and not made, always in perfect fellowship with the Father, and his glory is the basis of our salvation. Because he who is the the agent of all creation entered creation. Was tempted in every way as we are. Lived in perfect righteousness. Went to the cross and died in our place. That all who believe in him have forgiveness and everlasting life. That the outpouring of the wrath of God took place upon Christ for us. And when you believe and receive the free gift, you're forgiven forever and you have life in him. Whoever believes has overcome already. Not merely acknowledging his identity, but trusting that he has revealed the Father and is full of grace and truth. Trusting that his finished work is complete and that his ongoing work is sufficient. Trust that we need nobody else. Trust him for forgiveness and reconciliation and life and righteousness and salvation and hope. And that the victory, as we see here, rests not in us. It's victory in Jesus. It's the song we just sang. Our Savior forever. We may come to this point in the text here with this wonderful question. And you may have lost in every other aspect of your life. Your sporting career may have been an abysmal failure. Maybe you've walked through in and out of relationships and it has been one failure after another. Maybe your life is a testimony of failure economically. Maybe you have walked in the sorrow of career failure one after another, after another, after another. But if you have turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you are victorious. It's victory in Jesus, that we would live victorious when we know that we're born again. But for everybody in here, before we do anything else, time to check the vital signs. Time to check your spiritual pulse. Are you alive in Christ? Do you love the Father? Are you following him in obedience? Are you trusting that Jesus is exactly who he has revealed himself to be? Have you been born again by the Spirit of God? And perhaps you're here today and the conviction of the Holy Spirit has shown you that whatever you had before wasn't genuine, but you need Christ today. Look at how good our God is to pierce the darkness and call us to himself even right now. That you would turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. That he lived, died, rose again for you. And that all of your hope for forgiveness rests in Jesus crucified and resurrected. Come to him in faith today. And get a pulse that starts beating. A life that lives and breathes to the glory of God. That walks in the victory that's found in Jesus.
may we not only know that we are born again, but may we together live victoriously knowing that we are born again. However the Spirit leads in your heart and mind this morning, respond to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your goodness and grace. God, in this moment now, we pray that You would you would do what you alone can. That the light of your glory would pierce the darkness. Father, we pray that each and every person in here would know the assurance of the forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for lives that are yet untransformed, that they would be transformed today by the work of your Spirit and work through your Word. Father, that you would bear forth life and that we would be able to cry out together yet again, victory in Jesus. Father, for everybody in here, Father, may our eyes be fixed on you and what you've given us in giving us Christ. And Father, give us the assurance of the forgiveness of sins by trusting in Jesus, crucified, risen, our Savior, the Christ, our Lord. Father, direct all of our attention, all of our affection, all of our response to you now. And may you be pleased as we run to Jesus in faith. In Jesus' name we pray.